Welcome to China Tech Talk, the weekly discussion of technology and startups here in China. I am John Artman, editor in chief of Techno.com. As always, joined by Matthew Brennan, founder of China Channel. So this week we had the、uh, the pleasure to welcome to the onto the show Victor Tsang,、uh, the、uh, CCO at、uh, at Sea Trip, to talk about a little bit about their company, but then also, of course, what they're doing、um, globally, which is kind of where where a lot of his responsibilities lie. And 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 I think again, this is super interesting to see, you know, this 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 trend of Chinese companies riding the wave of kind of the Chinese economy and the, and the Chinese consumer、um, going out. And so they're 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 not. It's it's kind of an interesting kind of relationship between between the business and the consumer,、um, and to see how they're they're able to leverage consumer habits and consumer、um, expectations to expand their businesses outside of China. Yeah, and Sea Trip is actually it's an interesting company because it's one of the oldest、um, internet companies of scale in China.、Um, it's been around for ages. As we as we go on to discuss in the podcast,、um, you know they、uh, they IPO'd really early before you know two thousand and three, which was、um, mm-hmm. you know before the, the the big giants actually. So. Um, they've been in the market for a long time. Very mature company. Actually, one of the few、uh, Chinese big tech names that is headquartered in Shanghai.、Uh, I can't think of too many others that are headquartered in Shanghai.、Um, and 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 so yeah, Victor's you know at the forefront of the、uh, of the company right now, and they're pushed to internationalize. And and there's a huge wave of interest in China outbound tourism. I think this episode is a little bit you know again we're we're delving into a. Sort of a different topic here with、um, with travel, not something we usually cover,、um, but there is a lot of interest internationally about this this sector、um, because it's just there's really strong growth, and as as everyone will know in different parts of the world, there's just Chinese tourists popping up everywhere. Exactly. Yeah, it's funny because I was I was actually just in、uh, just in Thailand for the、uh, the Texas conference、um, in、uh, in the middle the middle of June,、um, and I was、uh, talking to some friends to some friends there、um, who've been some of whom have been living there for quite some time, and.、Um, They mentioned how you know the 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 loud and brash American tourists are are being displaced by the loud and brash、uh, Chinese tourists,、um, and so definitely, I mean, I think that if you go anywhere around the world, you, you're going to see、um, Chinese tourists、um, more more and more. And of course, there's、uh, some very interesting debates locally online about how Chinese people should act while they are abroad.、Um, But you know, kind of going back to what you were saying just now, Matt. I mean, you know, I think given given the current market situation with、uh, with mobile payments, with all these O to O applications, and and how you know, there's transactions are are、um, are fairly frictionless at this point. It's 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 you know, it was kind of surprising to be reminded, just as you said, just how old Sea、um, Trip is and how long that they they've been around. I mean, they were able to establish an online business. Without mobile payments, and, and and I think you know for for us now that seems like wow. I mean, how is it even possible? But they did it,、um, and it's so. It, I think it's it's really kind of interesting to, to to remember how you know the Chinese ecosystem was not always like it is right now, and that you know it, it was very possible for companies to、uh, do exceedingly well uh, without um, that type of infrastructural support. Yeah, well, they're coming from the desktop era,、uh, and and from、mm-hmm. a time where the the user base of you know people just who had access to the internet in China was 
was uh, a magnitude smaller than it is today. Um, so very different times. And yeah, this was, you know, back the, I think I was in China during this time, but it would have been, you know, 2004, 2000. Yeah, I was in China 2004. But so I remember Sea Trip in the very early days of, of, um, of, of um, being in China and, and people were, it, it was quite exciting to have a, a, a a company like that where they actually i think pretty early on they had english language support you know call centers and stuff um which for expats like us was uh was was pretty early for that kind of stuff you know there wasn't too many services that had english language on them mm. yeah and also i remember um actually seeing seeing someone um from from c trip years and years and years ago i think this must have been back in 2009 um, at a at a at a conference talking about um, the number of of bookings that were done um, via via phone. So even though they had the website, most people still didn't trust the website, and so they had so they they, they felt much more comfortable um, using the phone. And again, it's just it's just amazing to see um, to see how far we've come. Um, but we don't want to talk. We don't want to go into nostalgia too much. Uh, Victor uh, gives us a lot of information about um, kind of where they come from, but then also, you know, really kind of dives deep into where they're going and their their strategy um, for for their global expansion. And so, with that, we give you Victor Tsang. All right. Well, Victor, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. It's great to have this opportunity. So um, one of the first questions that we like to ask um, uh, guests onto the show is, uh, is what's your China story? So, you know, give us a brief introduction of yourself, your background and um, how you came to join C-Trip. Yeah. So um, I grew up in the U.S. in the West Coast. So after I finished my undergrad, um, came out to, to Asia. This was back in the early 2000. Um, so initially, I was in um, Taiwan for a couple of years doing venture capital. Um, obviously, I think mainland China is a um, great opportunity. You wanted to take the opportunity to, to learn more about the mainland China. And, and you know, I decided to pursue my uh, graduate program out in um, Beijing at Tsinghua University. So I spent about two years out there between 04 and 06 at Tsinghua. Um, a great experience, um, and after that, um, joined Deutsche Bank in Hong Kong as their um, uh, lead China internet analyst. So that's how I kind of got involved uh, more with uh, mainland China, particularly um, within the internet sector. So this was back in '06 when I started looking at the China internet sector. Uh, so I was at that Deutsche Bank for a couple of years, leading up the China internet coverage, and then. Jumped over to Baidu for a couple of years, um, driving more external communication as, a, as well as helping Baidu expand internationally. Um, and then um, when I was actually at Deutsche Bank, I was covering C-Trip already um, back then in the early days. And that's how I got to know C-Trip and, and um, the, the, the travel space. And, um, so um, after Baidu, I was in the private sector for a couple of years, and then about a year ago, I had an opportunity to, to join C-Trip. Um, so, took that opportunity. Uh, I think C-Trip um, is in a very compelling kind of position, being you know in a travel space where um, the rising disposable income of the Chinese um, can ride on the rising disposable the income of the Chinese um, consumer base. But, um, as well as particularly, a lot of these Chinese are 
spending this money outbound, going to an overseas destination that you know, CTRIP is facilitating more and more. So this really underpins, you know, CTRIP is in a unique position to really grab this opportunity to help it expand, you know, globally. Right? So, so those are some of the sort of, you know, um, and I know CTRIP intimately for, for quite a long time, and it was this opportunity um, to join CTRIP about a year ago, and I'm particularly interested in the global expansion of this this um, this company. Yeah, so I guess that's that's kind of the question, right? I mean, what what made you want to join join CTRIP? Yeah, so um, I, I think a couple, couple of folds. You know, I think for one is just uh, the rising disposable income of the Chinese population. You know, there are more and more um, disposable income. I think travel is a, a big spending category. Travel typically represents about 10% of GDP, right? Um, so it's a very, very big spending category. Um, I think the travel vertical um, is unique in that there's a lot of ways for a vertical player to really um, add value, right? I, I think if you think about travel, it's usually a pretty high ASP um, item, right? People people spend a couple thousand RMB um, for domestic travel. Uh, typically, they spend up to 10,000 RMB plus for outbound travel. So it's a high ASP. So there's, you know, an expectation on service level, right? Um, I think the travel space itself in terms of um, really getting the supply chain right um, and, and certain verticals like hotel, um, local attraction and destination kind of capabilities. Um, it's, it's, you know, these categories are very fragmented, um, very unstandardized. So there's, there's a lot of opportunity for a vertical player to really deepen its core competence through better linkage of this supply chain as well as really enabling um, the service capabilities. Right. So, so I think CTRIP definitely has, has its core foundation and DNA um, since its founding um, to, to really compete and, 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 and differentiate in, in, this, in this kind of vertical. Right. Um, so, but, you know, last but not least, so obviously, you know, this, this um, uh, international uh, story for CTRIP. Right. Um, I think for many Chinese companies, um, building a presence internationally is um is is inherently hard right and, and likewise i think for c trip um there's still a lot to work a lot of work to do but um i think there's a couple of different you know unique attributes that c trip can can leverage to help it expand internationally uh first and foremost is um just the the continued wave of um chinese outbound travel right um obviously c trip um uh services a lot of this chinese outbound travel Right, um, and, and that is already very big. Right, uh, last year, uh, Chinese traveling overseas, there was about 130 million trips made. Right, uh, they brought um, about 115 billion USD of spend. So, in terms of trips made, it's already the world's largest. Right, in terms of spend, it's already one of the world's largest in terms of, you know, the spending power. And CTRIP facilitates a lot of this this opportunity. So, by bringing, you know, more and and you know, this spend right now in China, this 115 billion USD spend is represented by less than 10 percent of the Chinese population. Right. So, if you think five years down the line, this this number will probably you know multiple magnitudes bigger. Right, um, just because I think more and more Chinese having uh, passports, um, I think overseas uh, destinations and countries recognizing the spending power will um, continue will continue to ease visa restrictions 
an application process for Chinese traveling to their destination. Right? These are all important kind of um, ingredients to facilitate more and more outbound travel going forward. So, so outbound travel is a very exciting kind of opportunity, and Sea Trip sort of sits at the forefront of this this opportunity. So, by bringing this outbound travel overseas, allows Sea Trip to you know build up its international presence, uh, particularly on the supply chain side. Right, um, you know, building up the uh, more flight relationship, more hotel relationship, more, more and more other travel-related categories like train, uh, ground transportation, restaurants, and so on and so forth. Right, so, so I think to me that's that's super exciting, and then, then you know, that's 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 why you know, kind of can join 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 uh, this company about a year ago. Yeah, and I think that's something that we want. That we definitely want to talk a little bit more about later. Um, the the kind of of the the efforts that that you guys are putting into um, um, outbound travel, and then also that that international expansion. Um, but before we get too deep into that, um, we kind of want to take a little bit of a step back because I think most of our listeners are probably fairly familiar with uh, with Sea Trip. Um, I mean, and at, at the very least, they know that Sea Trip is a, is a pretty big player in the the travel space, but they may not be too familiar with the background. So, can you give us? Um, just you know, uh, a summary of you know how it began and um, who were its founding team and why they decided to um, to actually begin this company in the first place. Um, sure. Yeah. So C Trip actually, um, the company was founded in 1999. Um, so it was founded by um, uh, co-founded by four 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 founders: um, James Liang, um, Fan Min. Um, Chi and Neil Nielsen, right? Um, so obviously, you know, out of these four co-founders, a lot of them have, you know, um, made made great strides in their career above above and beyond Sea uh, Trip. Um, so, you know, these co-founders, James, James and Chi uh, Chi, they originally were were classmates at at, at Fudan University, right? Uh, Neil Nielsen brought a finance background, right? Um, having worked at Deutsche Bank, and then uh, Fan Min. Uh, brought a the, the travel kind of experience. So um, these these guys um, they were all Western educated, so they saw how you know travel is a big part of um, this this uh, Western society, and you know how travel has developed in these Western markets, right? So they saw a great opportunity to kind of kind of um, bring that to China, right? And this is back in 1999, so obviously. Chinese and in terms of how they how they uh, consume travel is very very nascent very traditional offline traditional agency um, package tours right so so there was a great opportunity for them to to really um, build a business off of this and and they, they found this quite compelling right so um, so each of them had had kind of different roles obviously you know um, James Fan Min and Chi Chi more on the operational side um, Neil uh, focused on more capital raising right um, and, and initially in the early early get-go we were able to kind of raise um, uh, venture capital to help get the company going right some of the earlier investors include like IDG and, and uh, Safe um, uh, SoftBank for um, some of the earlier investors out there, so so that's kind of how how the team got started, and 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 you know having the initial capital, very Silicon Valley based kind of kind of kind of venture capital funding to to get the company going. So Victor, like uh, the you know things have changed a lot since the back when when Citrip was founded. 
I know it's a long story, but could you just give us the broad strokes on, um, you know, when things started off, how was the environment, the, the competition and the challenges uh, for Chinese online travel market back then? And how was Ctrip able to win a market-leading position and grow so fast? Because you guys IPO'd really early. You were on the NASDAQ in yeah. 2003. So this is really one of the very early successful uh, Chinese internet company listings, uh, even before Baidu and Tencent. So how did we go from the founding to the IPO and, and this dominant position in, in, in travel? Sure. So I think it was a very good time as well in the early 2000s. Right, um, with, with growing wealth effect, people spending more on travel. I think, like I said, you know, travel in China was very nascent. Um, a lot of this was more in the traditional travel agency route, um, more package tour. There are just not a lot of alternatives um, to to make travel booking easier, more price comparison easier. Right. Um, so, you know, I think from the early days, uh, C-Trip position was more focused on uh, the frequent independent traveler um, uh, base of users. Right. Um, so what it kind of did in the, in the very beginning, it was very kind of very, very rudimentary was passing out, you know, VIP cards and flyers um, at targeted um, airports, train stations, offices to target this kind of white, white collar um, professional uh, travel base. Right. Um, so um, that was this kind of initial focus of very targeted kind of user base that want to differentiate right, uh, with the frequent independent travelers. I think what it kind of did right also was um, uh, secondly was to help um, enable kind of kind of travel booking. So obviously it, it's built a website to put um, travel information, flight information, um, hotel information that's made available. Um, to users, but I think in the early uh, 2000s, um, you know, these these uh, websites to enable transaction were still hard. So what what Ctrip did was to you know build a call center, right? Um, in the early days to facilitate and, and a lot of this kind of transactions, people would may go to the website to look at the information, but then they wouldn't know how to book, so they they could call the Ctrip hotline. And a call center person would help them facilitate, you know, supplement the travel information and help them complete the booking, right? So, so those are some of the key kind of um, uh, attributes in terms of how the business model um, was built upon to to help it differentiate itself um, in the early days, right? Um, a lot of we we didn't. You know, the company didn't really require users to prepay for these these uh, transactions like hotel. When they book a hotel to C-Trip, right, um, um, they could, they could um, uh, after their stay, then they pay the hotel and then, you know, we work with the hotel to, to, to get the commission. So, you know, off of, off of this kind of innovative foundation, right, um, we, we were able to scale very fast and grow our um, FIT kind of user base. Um, onto the platform, right? Um, I think through the year, through the early days too, we also enable um, um, MA to acquire many different kind of um, travel related companies to acquire the right licensing for us to be in compliance and also scale faster, right? Um, so those are some of the kind of um, competitive um, things we, we, we laid in place 
Um, and we were growing super fast. So as a result, you know, and in and, and, and the early days, we were able to um, capitalize on um, uh, the, the U.S. Uh, uh, capital markets. We listed on NASDAQ in 2003, right? Yes. Yeah, that's right. I mean, what you're describing there seems so different from today, where back back then, before 2003, the, the payments market, I mean, this is this is pre-Alipay uh, time in China, right? I don't think even Alibaba had Alipay up, up and running by then. The payments was really must have been a, a, a headache for, for a company, for an online travel company, where I, it makes a lot of sense where, you know, call centers would be a much better way to do it. The market back then, you know, it's a desktop PC environment without any material mature payment uh, platforms in China, very different from today. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So you kind of have to understand, you know, the market situation and that's part of how C-Trip has, has sort of evolved and, and been success, continue to be successful in travel for, for almost 20 years now, right? Um, initially, a lot of the pre-transaction, you know, um, information, um, and also the transaction part was more offline call center, right? It, it, large, it represented a large majority of the booking. But um, as mobile and payment evolve, right, we started pushing users to be to be more more mobile mobile centric. So today, if you look at C trip now, we're about over eighty percent of our our transactions are actually through mobile. So very little, you know, um, call center needs for for um, pre-transaction or the transaction part. Now the call center is more focused on post-transaction where, you know, if users run into trouble with their with their hotel booking, they 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 book they book a hotel but they, there's no room available, you know, 24-7 they could call C trip at any time to to resolve these issues. So the company has definitely, you know, evolved to stay ahead of the game and that's why we're still in a leading position 20 years. Um, um, into the game. Yeah. Sure, sure. So if we look at things today uh, in China, you know, as we've already touched upon, there's been explosive growth in recent years for Chinese outbound uh, global tourism. And um, how would you describe the Chinese travel market today? Uh, and how has that evolution broadly taken place over time? And how have travel habits changed? And maybe a little bit of how you think they're going to continue to change in the near future. Uh, sure. Um, you know, like I said, I think travel travel is a is is one of the the, the the fastest growing industries, whether in China or also globally, right? I think with, with disposable income, um, people people you know a lot of that spend goes into travel. Um, it's um, nearly ten percent of GDP for many countries, so it's a very very big category. Um, I think all travel-related spend in China is, um, and this includes sort of, you know, not booking, not just booking the flights and hotels, but, you know, ground transportation, um, as well as trains, buses, and also in destination spend is a very big part in terms of shopping, F&B, local attractions. You know, all of this spend in China is about 800 billion USD. Like globally, um, travel is over five trillion. So, so it's very, very big, big um, um, TAM size. Um, so, I think particularly in China, right? Uh, if you look at China and having covered China, China's um, such a dynamic market too, right? Um, tier one 
kind of kind of user base and um, tier one travel user base versus tier two versus say tier four, I think is very different kind of kind of kind of um, in terms of their travel expectations is very different, right? Um, tier one, I think you, you continue to you know see more travelers, not just traveling you know in short haul, but more and more traveling long haul, right? Um, going to Europe, going to more exotic destinations um, like polar travel. Um, it has become a very, very hot destination, right? Um, people going Chinese going to the North Pole or South Pole now is the second largest kind of kind of um, 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 uh, consumer group now, right? Um, so a lot of kind of tier one user base, um, frequent independent travelers looking for more and more unique destinations that they could they could share with their friends. Um, you get into sort of tier two, tier three, tier four cities. Right. Um, um, they're, they're still more package tour oriented. Right. Um, uh, so, you know, going, going, going through, going through, um, they could also go through sea trip to book package tours to, you know, more nearby destinations. Usually, you know, Thailand and Japan are, uh, the, the top two kind of, kind of, um, um, destinations for Chinese outbound travel. Right. There's over 10 million travelers going to Thailand. Uh, last year, uh, over 7 million going to Japan. So, you know, I think the travel growth opportunity, you know, um, within China obviously continues to be very big as GDP continues to grow. Travel is usually double, um, uh, the travel industry grows double that of the GDP growth in China. But I think particularly of interest is the Chinese traveling overseas. That wave will continue to become bigger and bigger, right? Um, as discussed, you know, this Chinese travelers brought about 115 billion USD of spend last year already, and that's represented by less than 10% of the population. So that's only going to get bigger. And tier one, tier two city travelers will travel to farther and farther destinations, right? Um, lower tier cities may be first time traveling, but they'll probably utilize more package tours uh, to travel. Uh, so those are some dynamics out there, you know, in terms of. You know, there's a lot of destinations around the world that Chinese can tap into, right? Um, we've seen, you know, closer destinations. Um, you know, of course, Thailand and Japan are the, 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 the mainstream kind of population destinations. But, you know, we've seen destinations like Vietnam um, or Cambodia growing, growing very fast, right? Um, uh, the Middle East is growing very fast. Right. Um, longer haul destinations and, and Europe, like Eastern Europe, Czechoslovakia um, is, is growing very fast. So a lot of this, there's many destinations for for Chinese to to, to travel to and, 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 and consume. Right. Um, so, in fact, I think a lot of more and more of these kind of uh, countries and um, each country's kind of travel bureau are working with us to help. You know, market themselves and and and, and educate this growing Chinese uh, travel base. You know why they should be going to you know X Y Z destination um, and, and such, right? So, so uh, yeah, I think it, the story and the opportunity continues to be very big and very very exciting for us. So I guess, I mean, I kind of want to go back to something that you mentioned a little bit before at the beginning of this conversation, you know, looking at, you know, uh, the, the efforts that you guys are doing um, in terms of outbound. And so I'm kind of curious if you can if you can explain a little bit more about that strategy. 
Um, so, so when, when you're, when you're going outbound, when you're, um, when you're kind of creating, creating your global strategy, are you looking more at how to better serve Chinese customers or do you also kind of envision uh, expanding your services for, for overseas customers as well? Um, I think it's a step-by-step process, but, um, we, we envision, you know, all these steps, right? I, I think first and foremost is to continue serving the Chinese outbound well, right? Um, to compete with... And then and when Chinese outbound market share, um, I, I think first and foremost, you need to have uh, global supply chain, travel supply chain, um, made readily available for them. There needs to be comprehensiveness of choices, you know, competitive pricing, right, and the quality of the inventory that you're putting in front of them. Um, I think secondly, to compete on outbound, you need to have very strong service capabilities. Right? I think Chinese traveling overseas do not speak foreign languages. and as in the case with travel, right, it's a very non-standard kind of kind of purchase. You may have flight delays, you may have flight cancellation, you may check into a hotel and the hotels don't have rooms, right? They can always kind of fall back to a sea trip to um, through our 24-7 call center to kind of service them. So I think the outbound we have, you know, core foundations in place to really effectively compete and win market share and outbound. So as you serve more Chinese outbound, it's sort of reinforcing you're going to be able to, you know, um, um, uh, be able to tighten your relationship with global travel um, supply chain, right? Because you're bringing more business to them, and 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 you could you could have better and better relationship with them. Then you're able to kind of give your give your consumer and user base better and better deals as a result. So that's that's sort of you know one point in terms of our global expansion, riding the Chinese outbound wave, and to to continue solidifying our global supply chain, you know, um, power, right? Um, so through that, you know, we, we have other, um, uh, more and more other, other initiatives and other brands um, that are helping build a non-Chinese user base. Um, so in 2016, um, second half of 2016, we, we um, invested in um, uh, a, a leading uh, global uh, flight meta search a company called Skyscanner. It's an um, Edinburgh-based uh, company. Um, so um, they've they've been around for quite some time and have established very very good uh, brand credibility with users looking for uh, flight flight information, um, competitive price, flight routes, um, as well as get a good experience. So they built a very very good model off of being the leading flight meta search company globally. So today they have about um, over 80 million active user base on the platform. So very, very large. And all this kind of user base, I think, is um, um, non-Chinese users looking for flights. So that gives us a position of, you know, a very big kind of non-Chinese user base through the through the meta search model that um, we could continue, you know, growing off of, right? Um, so, so that's a very much an important part of our overall uh, international expansion strategy. More on the non um, ex-China user base kind of kind of front, 
right? Um, the team continues to be run independently. Uh, the brand continues to be operated under Skyscanner independently. So they've been growing very well since our investment in, in late uh, 2016. So that that will continue to grow. So that's that's another part of sort of our international um, strategy and opportunity we're, we're, we're capturing. Um, this is more of the top, top of the funnel sort of um, um, meta search model that, that, that we have position in. Um, and then the third part in terms of our international is um, a, a company we acquired uh, last year called Trip.com. It's a, it was a Silicon Valley based company. Um, and we it's a very small acquisition, but you know I think we really like the brand brand name, the domain name Trip.com. Um, the association obviously is, you know, um, not just flights, but it's it's the whole trip, right? Flights, hotels, ground transportation, and destination kind of cap- capability, similar to sort of you know the philosophy of what Ctrip has built up in China, a one-stop shop, right? Um, we want to um, have a brand that is more um, that Westerners, um, non-Chinese users can as- better associate with. So we, we, we bought this company called Trip.com to rebrand our international OTE business um, as, as Trip.com. So Ctrip continues to be the brand for Chinese users in China um, as a Chinese OT- leading OTA. Um, Trip.com would be for non-Chinese outside of China, um, currently mainly focused around Asia Pac, um, for for Western Westerners looking for an OTA, right? So so Trip.com is a small business today, um, but you know a fast growing business that is also very much part of our international expansion strategy. Uh, I think you know the focus is will be more focused on Asia Pac uh, for 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 the foreseeable future. Um, so so that's kind of in, in terms of thinking about international. There's t- kind of different buckets of this opportunity that. Um, uh, we're, we're positioning to, to, to grow. Yeah, I mean, certainly uh, trip.com is a great uh, web domain. Uh, well, I couldn't think of a better one. Uh, with, with C-Trip, you know, uh, the C stands for China. Is that actually, I'm, I come to think of it, I never I never even thought what the C st- stood for with C-Trip. Is that, uh, what, is, is that the correct assumption? Uh, yes, it, it, could be, it could be China, it could be customer as well. Ah, okay. All right, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, <laughs> funny to think. I, I never, I never thought what the C stood, stood for. Um, but <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's let's go back and um, we we can talk a bit more about the sort of typical customer journey. Um, you know, what is the process? Uh, understanding how Chinese, um, when they uh, say say a Chinese family, for example, they're deciding to travel. You know, what are the different online uh, touch points and stages in in China? Because the whole uh, online environment is so different. And how does C-Trip fit into this this customer journey? Yeah, China is a very dynamic and vast market. I think you could all, we probably need to break down China by, by different tier cities in terms of, you know, um, the sophistication of the travelers. Um, so I think on, on one front, it's how to reach the users, right? Um, more sophisticated users, um, a large majority of this user base are app-based relationship, right? They download the C-Trip app um, and they, they can find information on the destination uh, to get their inspiration. Um, they can find a wide array of travel-related products from flights to hotels to you know airport pickups to train tickets if you're traveling intercity 
right? Uh, to the end destination, kind of local attraction ticketing to restaurants, right? Uh, all through the app and can put, put through the app, right? Um, so, so in terms of reach, um, our app is a, a main source of how we kind of um, uh, uh, service users. Um, but increasingly, we've been um, increasing our, our, our reach through offline channels as well. Right. Um, we, we acquired a company called Traveling Best Tone uh, last year. Um, they're, they're more of a um, offline agency, right? Um, with having about 5,000 offline stores across 200 cities. Um, so since then, we've um, expanded the number of stores to 7,000 stores now um, in China. So that's another way to kind of reach a very big kind of um, travel user base. Um, so, yeah, so, so our strategy from the consumer front is really twofold, right? Um, one front is through our mainstay of our app, app-based relationship. We, we, down, we, we, a lot of users download our app to, you know, find information and book and uh, through our platform uh, for, you know, um, first time travelers or um, older kind of travelers. We now have over 7,000 plus offline stores across 200 cities in China to have, you know, more of a face-to-face -face kind of touch point capabilities to, um, teach them about travel and then and, and, um, giving them assurance that, you know, they, they will be well taken care of through, through booking, booking through, you know, sea trip through a package tour um, and just having that kind of offline face-to-face -face service capabilities is, is an important kind of, kind of um, uh, differentiator to service these newer traveler base, right? So that's one front and in terms of how we reach user base. Obviously, you need to have the products as well, right? Um, so I think today, you know, sea trip in China um, is a one-stop shop, right? Over 60 products and services, uh, anything and everything related to travel that we service uh, a traveler user base, right? Um, you're looking for flights, uh, very comprehensive, you know, flight routes, um, air packages, um, hotels, right? We have um, one of the largest uh, hotel inventories in the world now too, right? Um, uh, hotels, we have about 1.3 million plus hotel chains available to choose from on our platform. Alternatively, we also are the biggest investor in Tujia, the Airbnb of China. So through them, we have another 1 million plus um, alternative accommodation um, um, choices for our user. Right. So, you know, the, the breadth and depth of and competitive price kind of kind of um, products are, are an important differentiator to how you compete and offer users, right, um, that you can offer users. Um, so, you know, beyond, above and beyond that, I think C-Trip has discussed, you know, we also offer um, airport pickup services, right, uh, train ticketing services. We offer, you know, once a user, because a lot of this user are, are app-based relationships, so a lot of users, once they're in destination, Right. Um, they could easily open our app and we could, you know, through, through GPS system, know their POI and recommend, you know, what are local restaurants that are around your vicinity or, you know, local attractions that are around your vicinity that users can kind of use our app to tap into to, to fulfill kind of end destination needs as well. Right. So, you know, on, on the 2C front, we have offline and online capabilities on the supply chain front, you know, Many, many, you know, the breadth of choices at competitive price across, 
you know, all different kind of travel travel verticals that we can service the users. Yeah, I would say a large majority of it is through through our app, right? Uh, so existing users having our app would, would more likely go through an app to find information and do a booking. Um, we are also um, acquiring more and more more and more new users, right? Um, so uh, one one part of it is. Um, uh, through other many, many online kind of performance channels as well, right? Uh, through social platforms, through SEM, through app stores, through uh, pre-installation and handsets, right? All, all the kind of different channels for us to, you know, acquire um, new new user base, right? Um, that's something that we've been um, doing more of and penetrating more of. Um, so that's more on the online and then, you know, on the offline, we have over 7,000 stores, right? Um, so, so it's quite diversified in terms of new user base, how they're, how they're coming, coming on. Typically, we, w- we would want them to kind of download our app, right? So once we acquire this user base and then they download our app, um, the large majority of their, how, how, how they're accessing feature base through the app. I think one of the final questions we've got, Victor, is, um, you know, just, uh, I guess, some advice for people in the industry uh, who yeah. are trying to target the, these Chinese outbound travelers. Um, in your experience, you know, what are some of the unique characteristics that we see from, from these groups? You've already mentioned that there's um, the different tiers in China, lower tier city travelers are very different from, from, from Beijing, Shanghai. Um, but, you know, how does this actually manifest itself in terms of the unique characteristics of these groups um what are they what are they wanting from travel what's important to chinese travelers and is there any ways that um did the the travel industry outside china could be you know meeting these needs better yeah um i think i think for one i think there's there's a lot of choices for for where chinese can travel to right a lot of destinations a lot of choices so i think it's important that you know, um, destinations or travel vendors need to find ways to market themselves and offer, you know, a compelling story why a Chinese should, should be traveling there, right, through through their platform, right? Um, so an interesting story would be sort of, you know, Czechoslovakia, uh, sorry, um, Hungary, um, outbound travel to Hungary uh, picked up quite a bit last year, right? And that's, um, and, and some parts off of um, sort of there's a Chinese soap opera, um, that that was, became really popular, and the soap opera soap opera background was um, filmed in Hungary. Right? So so there's a lot, a lot of association with that, and just a natural way to kind of market the destination. So as a result, you know Chinese Chinese um, there was exposure with the Chinese um, consumers, and then you know traveled it to 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 that destination pick up dramatically. Right. Um, so I think that's that's kind of one thing. I think. You know, oftentimes, especially frequent independent travelers, um, they're, they're very last minute booking, unlike Western counterparts, right? So uh, a, a destination, a country that wants to attract more Chinese needs to make visa, you know, um, application easier, faster, or once the, once the Chinese apply for a visa, you know, a longer tenure visa. Can can help really capture a lot of this kind of kind of tra- travel too, right? Because this behavior is just very last minute, and if you have a visa ready, then you could just you know book a ticket and go, right? And and, and that gives you sort of sort of incremental incremental edge, right? Um, I think in terms of sort of just making Chinese feel more, you know, um, um, comforted. I think 
Um, you know, one, one thing, the Chinese behavior, right? Um, I think in, in a lot of Western countries, you know, once you land in an airport or you go into restaurants, um, you know, you serve a very icy glass of cold water, right? I think for Chinese, they, they prefer kind of warm water. And, and you know, those are some things I, I think as we speak, we're, we're, we're working with many different kind of airports around the world to kind of say, yeah, you know, how do you make Chinese feel more welcome and more personalized, right? It's these kind of nuances of just not only offering cold water, but also offering hot water, right? Because these are these behaviors are very different, right? That 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 makes makes Chinese more more feel welcome. So, you know, those are you know some some broad examples of sort of you know um, what what you know within the travel supply chain how how you know um, companies can think about to you know uh, better localize and then optimize for this kind of kind of wave of Chinese consumers. Yeah, I think there's still a long way to go in many places. Even the basics of having uh, I, I think Chinese expect Wi-Fi wherever they go. <laughs> Uh, certainly, yeah. if you live in China, you, you sort of have that expectation. And w- when you go outside China, that, that isn't the case sometimes. I think that's pretty basic. Uh, exactly. I, I had a friend actually in um, who was complaining on social on, on Twitter just uh, yesterday, um, Manya, one of our previous guests, about how in, in Holland, union pay is, is surprisingly not very well accepted. And <laughs> uh, she had a, a Chinese friend there who had a problem. They... You know, most Chinese people only have union pay, and uh, they couldn't find a, a place to to get, take money out, and it was a real problem. Yep, I think I think payment, yeah, enabling mobile payment, union payment options with when when they're traveling overseas, I think is a very important facilitator as well to to consumption. Cool. Well, um, I think. I think we've got through all the questions. Yeah, because the last one we've already covered, uh, which was the rebranding of Sea Trip. Um, um, first of all, uh, Victor, is everything okay so far? Have you got any? Is there anything else you want to add, question-wise, or anything you feel we should we should be covering that we haven't? Um, I think we've covered quite quite a bit of topics. Yeah, I think I think I'm good on my side. If there's anything that you guys need need to clarify, reinforce, yeah. Uh, Victor, if people want to find out more about Sea Trip, uh, where should they go online? Uh, just www.seatrip.com or if they're a foreigner, www.trip.com. Awesome. And uh, really, uh, thanks again for taking the time today. Really great to speak to you. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm.